The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Wear a mask. Wear a mask, damn it. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and the dog days of summer. Yes, we are here in August here in New York, which is always a especially fragrant month, pandemic or otherwise. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. And you, sir, have had more New York August than I have, so you probably even have more right to kvetch about the um, oh, yeah, man. August hot things. garbage smell. Yeah. Although I got to tell you, it's not as bad this year because there are not that many people around. Yeah, fewer people, uh, fewer people going outdoors, although there are a lot of people kind of trying to make it be like there's nothing going on. Yeah, but. that is true. That is definitely true. Wear a damn mask. Yeah. Not even 30 seconds in and I'm already screaming, wear you a gotta, mask. Got to do your public service announcement. Yes, indeed. But it has been... Um, with the craziness of the pandemic and all, and people weren't around, out, but, but th- there's always something about New York in August, just no matter what. And we had just come off of basically two weeks of 90-plus heat, too, oh, yeah. which always, if you had to be out and if you were commuting, wasn't always a real joy. Oh, no. No. But uh, but here we are. So we're, yes. we're uh, coming down. We're in August now. They always say don't introduce new products in August, but some people have, and we'll talk about uh, those in a minute. But yeah, before yeah, but, we but roll before into it, the news, what yes. have you been watching? What have you been doing? Clone Wars. Can you believe this? Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. Star Wars Clone Wars. They revived it. They brought it back from the dead. I don't know Ooh. if you know the history of Clone Wars. Did you watch it first off? I watched a few episodes uh, and then somehow managed to like jump into it. But I, I assume you are a all seasons binger. You've seen every episode. You have feelings, I've seen thoughts, opinions. Every single episode. I bought the Blu-ray disc box set with what was supposed to be all seasons of the series. And then there was another one, an addendum with lost episodes, but Disney plus brings it back from the dead. And they are, they are now streaming all 12 episodes of what they're calling the final season. All right. And, and this was the first animated star Wars spinoff, right? Of all of the predated rebels and all of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And resistance and all the other crazy ones. And it's the best one. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's the best one. It's so much better than the prequel movies. You get a real sense of the clones, especially the backstory for the clones. I mean, for instance, I'm watching the first two episodes of season seven, and they're the best episodes I've seen. They've got Star Wars action. They've got clone troopers. You know, there's laser battles, and, you know, it's it's just out of control. Captain Rex, who's one of my favorite characters, who obviously didn't get much play in the movies because he was a subordinate character or a side character, but in the Clone Wars storyline, he's he's a big player. I mean, and he's got a huge fan base. My son loves Captain Rex. Captain Rex is his guy. So the fact that they focus on a human aspect, and I've always liked that they actually humanize the clones. It's like they're not just cannon fodder, but they're giving these people legitimate backstories and storylines. Like, you know, they're human beings. They didn't just crank these people out. And I really enjoy that. So I'm, 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 I have... I had very high expectations for the seventh season and so far they're being met. And the sixth season, it started getting into the weird hocus pocus of Yoda, like going off into the Sith home world. And then it, it felt like a very truncated ending, obviously for obvious reasons, because the show was canceled. Yeah. 
but you know they sort of like ignored that storyline it's like okay that's done yeah. let's just get into the clones fighting wars and stuff yeah because it's called into that clone action. wars yeah. yes exactly let's get into the action so if you're a star wars fan if you liked the clone wars watch clone wars season seven the final season it's been so far two episodes has made it worth it for me all right i'm and so- really digging disney plus i gotta tell you they really brought all of the things that we like into one streaming wow, channel. Wow, they sure did. The um, now will will Clone Wars be enough to get you to when the Mandalorian drops later? The the season two of the Mandalorian, which I believe is coming later this fall, and we've also a uh, different service, but uh, Star Trek Discovery season three, I think it's coming out mid October. Oh yeah, no, I'm all set. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch Mandalorian again, but I'm going to pace it and watch it once a week. Okay. Just to see if it's a different experience. Yeah, well, I was I like really watching enjoyed that show. Yeah, and also if in, if you have any interest at all in screenwriting or structure, just to see how they pace those episodes when they know that they've got X amount of time to tell it, and how do you pace the action so that you get the people so they totally have to tune in next week? Like I've always yeah. been fascinated by serial writers who can figure yep. out just where to land it, and then make people go nuts for a week trying to figure. It. Like I, this happened on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is why. You could not wait to tune in. And then Buffy was sort of late 90s when not everyone had a DVR. And so they were fighting with video cassettes and yes. very primitive. And if your tape jammed and you missed it, it was, it was just horrible, horrible prehistoric times. Yeah, but, the genius of Joss Whedon, though. Yeah, no, he and he that guy knew how to stick a landing on all of the, sure um, the episodes so that you not even the, you know, the season enders and make sure you were coming back. Yes, indeed. But that aside, do yes. we have any news? We have a bit of news that we have the continuing story of TikTok. The saga, uh, the continuing yes. saga. Yes, because uh, I, think, I think the last time we, we, we sat down to record, you know, TikTok was getting heat from the governments and mm-hmm. people were, were kind of up in arms that the government might ban it here, which would really deeply annoy all the TikTok users who are very young and very active. Uh, but now, uh, even in just the, the week or so since we last recorded, New things have developed in the, the TikTok saga. Microsoft could be acquiring it, even after the United States government threatened to shut down the very popular social media app over user data privacy and security concerns. And the government suspected ties with the Chinese government that it was taking all its Americans' data. And so those were the reasons the government was talking about banning TikTok from our virtual shores. But uh, what we didn't know at the time, and this is still a fluid situation while recording this, so I think it could change by the time you hear it. But the company had actually been in acquisition talks with Microsoft, I guess, for the past several weeks. So this is between Microsoft and TikTok's parent company, ByteDance. And so they had been kind of doing this little negotiation, and then all of a sudden TikTok gets on the wrong side of the government. And Microsoft, who has been sort of working behind the scenes, is worried about this deal getting jeopardized. And so Microsoft reached out, talked to government officials, got permission, I guess, to pave the way for a possibly mega deal, but it would have to happen no later than September the 15th of this year. So they've got like this tight 45-day window to try to make a deal. So Microsoft is working on this, and I'm sure things will develop over this period of 45 days. But when I first started, I was like, Microsoft and TikTok, and yeah. I thought it was kind of a weird, but then they bought Minecraft, so yeah, they've that's true. 
they have before reached out to acquire existing properties that somehow builds the Microsoft user base. I think if you get TikTok, you get a whole new young demographic who doesn't really care about like Skype, which was one of the other previous acquisitions, because um, you know Skype is not really the best of all the video conferencing software now because uh, we've got newer things. And, and I still have a few people who want a legacy stick to Skype, but it's really not the best video and audio experience of all the ones out there. So maybe Microsoft's trying to get, you know, some younger folks there, eventually sell them off as 365 subscriptions or whatever if they're doing their TikToks. Who knows what the end game is there? But the government was was getting very, you know, sort of snarly about this and talking about banning the app from Apple and Google's app stores, which would deprive millions of young TikTok users uh, that creative outlet they need. And that could even have some consequences in the fall elections if you uh, have deeply offended TikTok users who are old enough to vote. Mm. They're going to remember. I mean, that might not be the the biggest issue uh, to vote for, but if they are personally invested in getting back at, at the government that banned their favorite app, you know, stranger things have happened. So yeah, that's right. Vote, so so we'll, we'll stay tuned on that story, see where it goes. Let's circle back around to that high-profile Twitter attack from last month. Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice has charged three people uh, allegedly behind the scheme to, to take over famous people's Twitter accounts and uh, run a Bitcoin scam. So not, not the best well-thought-out hack there. But uh, federal authorities arrested Graham Ivan Clark, who is a 17-year-old high school graduate in Tampa, Florida. I guess he just graduated high school uh, because he was underage. I think they're going to try him as an adult. And I think the... Um, he had to be tried at the state level you know, since he was underage and, and the federal authorities couldn't quite do whatever they needed to do. But he's going to be charged as an adult. The other two that were charged in this uh, were Mason John Shepard, who was 19 uh, from the United Kingdom, and Nima Vizelli, who was 22 uh, of Orlando, Florida. So all these guys are under 22 Totally just really got into Twitter's system, and as reported by the New York Times, uh, the 17-year-old Clark convinced one of Twitter's employees that he was a co-worker in the technology department who needed the employee's credentials to access the customer service portal. And so the scheme took off from there, so it was heavily socially engineered. Wow. Uh, apparently, the 17-year-old knew just what to say to get somebody to cough up these valuable God passwords behind the scenes at Twitter. And so they get the credentials, and then they start changing passwords and taking over people's accounts and posting this Bitcoin message. After that, though, things kind of began to fall apart for the hackers because uh, I think they didn't, I don't know if they didn't really plan the whole thing out, but they were scrambling to hide the funds that got transferred to them. I guess they had left some clues to the real identities somewhere along the way, too, which made the authorities have a whole ton of breadcrumbs, maybe even just loaves of bread that, that linked them to these guys. So they eventually uh, got busted uh, within a, a week or so of the hack. And, you know, it was basically a scam set up by amateurs who who just knew how to kind of socially manipulate and engineer. But it just really brings up more questions about Twitter's security practices or lack thereof as we head into a particularly volatile time of year with the election coming up. And the frustrating part is they're going to do the whole boys will be boys type thing. And that really ticks me off. If these kids are smart enough to do what they did and you know, scam people out of money. Cause okay, let's leave aside the fact that they hacked a major corporation, but they scammed people out of money. Mm -hmm. That's the problem here. Obviously the hacking is a crime, but that's straight up. You're ripping people off. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, the 17 year old is uh, facing like 30 
counts of various, you know, fraud and, and manipulation. So there's some serious charges, uh, th- but 30 felony counts for uh, the hacks. So yikes. So and I, I hopefully they will refund the money of the people who uh, sent in the Bitcoin offer. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a that's a cautionary tale. I have a sneaking suspicion Twitter's not going to back off on this. Yeah, and and also for me, you know, because we're, we're been around for a while, you know, kind of takes yeah. me back to the to the Kevin Mitnick and the mm-hmm. Kevin Paulson hacks, you know, yeah, in the eighties yeah, yeah. and nineties, where you know, except you know, everything's leveled up now. But uh, moving on, the CEOs of four big tech companies had a, a virtual hearing in front of Congress last week over perceived monopolies and unfair business practices. It sounds really like the Zoom call from hell, but. You know, these uh, these guys come out and they testify. It was uh, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google's uh, CEOs were all there. And, and getting kind of a grilling from congressional lawmakers, this is all in the course of uh, antitrust hearings that could lead to some changes in the way these companies do business. I believe there's a report expected later this month that's making the case for updating federal competition rules that would give regulators more power to probe and find the industry if they suspect that uh, – these big tech companies are big footing other companies. Google is already said to be facing an antitrust lawsuit from the Department of Justice uh, that could drop before the end of the summer. So I, I think uh, that the tension that was in this hearing was a lot of these guys are realizing, oh, we might actually be either accountable or get broken up or have some kind of, of uh, antitrust uh, legislation applied to us where we will not be making as much money. So we'll, we'll see what comes out of this report. But, but one of the, uh, the participants there, Google, still keeping busy. Uh, they managed to announce a few new phones this week. <laughs> the, uh, the Pixel 4a, uh, which is coming later this month even. It's available for pre-order now with a delivery, I believe, on August the 20th. Now, in case you're wondering what's in the Pixel 4a, uh, it's, it's a phone. It's got a 5.8-inch <laughs> screen, and you'll like this part, a headphone jack. Nice headphone yes. jack. I just love it. It's a phone. Yes. It's, it's a phone. Yeah, you uh-huh. know, it's your phone here. Um, it's also got one uh, 12.2 megapixel camera on the back and an 8 megapixel camera on the front, which sounds kind of puny by today's standards. You know, we're hearing about like 64 megapixel. But what it has is Google's really hardworking photo software inside working to make the pictures look really good through artificial intelligence and all of the, the um, tools that they have in there to just real like the night sight feature, which, which I've tried on earlier pixels is great. And they've got the astrophotography one. So, so Google software really kind of compensates for the lack of uh, blockbuster hardware there. Um, and another thing that may make people sort of give more attention to this phone that, you know, sounds as kind of basic is $349, which mm. is a low price for a kind of a, you know, a nice phone that, that has got a decent camera and you can do things and it runs all the Android stuff. So $349, uh, we've gotten used to phones That's being in the, the thousand dollar range. So four digit range. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? But the problem is they have to price it low. They have no choice. Number one, where am I going to go get this phone? Mm-hmm. The Verizon store by me is closed. The AT&T store is closed. The Sprint store is closed. Where am I? I'm going to order it online. I'm going to, I know I wouldn't buy a phone like that. I want to see the thing. Yeah. You you need, you know, the demo model to make your proper event and to make sure that headphone jack is in there. That's right. That's right. No, I mean, so there, yeah, you know what? The only way they're going to entice people to actually order this thing online is where they say, oh, you know what? 349, that's not bad. I'll, you know. And hope that people don't say this this is garbage and return it. Yeah. 
And, and they're building off the, the Pixel 4, uh, which came out last year, which, which is not a bad phone. The Pixel phone. 4. Yeah, no. and, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I tried one of those, and it's a nice phone. It's got a nice screen. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, you people, well, I want four cameras on the back. It's like, no, it's it's more, you know, simple than that. So, so that's... Uh, that one's going to be out this month. I believe they're also doing a 5G version of the Pixel 4a, which will be the, I don't know if it's the Pixel 4a 5G or the Pixel 5G 4a. Anyway, right, they're going to have just, one that's going to run on the new network. You're making my brain hurt. Yeah. And, and that one's going to be $499. Uh, the thing with the 5G phones, though, is they're still building out the 5G network. The carriers are. But everyone's sort of shifting to those chips, just as we saw them shift to 4G mm-hmm. a few years back. As the carriers build out their network coverage, they're able to sell these newer phones that, that can use the faster speeds, which will be, you know, give you a nosebleed. They're, they're talking about how oh, your Stadia games will be super fast because Google Stadia service so is coming. But Google also kind of teased another new phone that's not due out until later this fall, and they weren't real forthcoming with what the specs of it actually were, aside from the fact that it would have 5G connectivity. Uh, but it's going to be the Pixel 5, and I think they're just sort of... Uh, keeping that one in the wings. So when Apple, you know, starts yapping about its iPhone 12 line and all that, Google will have something. Because Google, I think, traditionally always did their phones around Halloween or sort of mid to late October anyway. So an August announcement to me felt a bit early, and I don't know if they're just waiting on, uh, because the supply chain has been disrupted in the pandemic, if they're not quite putting the finishing touches or they just want to really step on some of Apple's thunder when Apple comes out, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 iPhones, iPads, you know, new Macs with our own chip, you know, kind of thing. If Google wants to play spoiler there. To be honest, are you at all excited about new hardware at this point? I mean, honestly. I'm kind of interested. I haven't upgraded my phone in a while and I've got an iPhone 8 Plus, And so I'm kind of ready. I'm interested because I think this will be my upgrade year. Google, I thought, was interesting, too, because they say, oh, don't introduce new products in August. And yeah, and they're in introducing August. an order. Yeah. So uh, so maybe they're just figuring that people are so bored and, and desperate for, for anything new that, that they would get some attention here. And also, I think your attention to new hardware, uh, like my own situation, varies with how old your current hardware is. Like, if you're mm. kind of thinking about shopping and it's like, well, you know, I've got this laptop it's five years old, it's starting to slow down. I think you're naturally more attentive to whatever they're going to announce just because you're ready to make that leap. Where if, if you're point. fine with your hardware, it's like, eh, whatever. And just, you know, let me go watch some Disney Plus. So, <laughs> so it, you know, your mileage may vary, as does the, the mileage on your, your hardware. But but phones, you know, I'm not really looking forward to paying, you know, however much they're going to charge for the new iPhones. I know they are doing the sort of low-end model uh that people can afford because I think they're also seeing that sometimes people want just a small basic phone, you know, like this Google Pixel 4a that, you know, I don't need big and fancy and I don't need Mm -hmm. it to, you know, triangulate satellites. I just want a decent camera to take some pictures. I want to have a calendar on there. And text. Yeah. And I don't want to have to sell a body part to, to buy this phone. So it's not much to ask. Yeah. So, you know, and for families of kids too, you know, they, they they don't want to be, uh, Blowing mortgage payments on keeping the kids outfitted oh, with the no. phone yeah, hardware. It, it, you know, the, my kids inherit my old phones, but that's going to stop soon because we got to hold on to them a little longer because they're getting a little too pricey. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, a commitment now. So along with the new phones, uh, Google uh, also has another announcement. They are teaming up in a long-term strategic partnership with the home security company ADT. Now, uh, you can probably see where this is going. Google plans to combine its Nest Home automation devices with ADT security offerings. So ADT technicians will be able to sell and install 
Google Assistant powered devices like Nest Cameras and the Nest Hub Max uh, while setting up the home perimeter. And I believe they're going after Amazon and its whole Ring network uh, there. Ooh. So, uh, so Google's getting into uh, some of the home security here, and and ADT is is a fairly well known security company. I've known, you know, you always see that sticker, which half the time I wonder if people just bought the sticker to, to make people think they had the security. But no, I was an ADT customer for a long time. Yeah, so so they're they're known in the the home security uh, field, and so they're they're teaming up with Google to, um, I guess, help people uh, have Wi-Fi controllable security devices to protect their go. homes. There you go. So that's coming. Um, now, Brian Krebs of the Krebs on Security blog, we haven't talked about him in a while. He's got a fairly recent post about the safety of smart chip EMV credit cards. Remember, these were the cards that were going to make the Magstripe hacking and cloning mm-hmm. be a thing mm-hmm. of the past and mm-hmm. and uh, cut down on all of that card theft that we were having. And even though the new cards have, I think, cut down a lot of it because, you know, you put the smart chip in the reader and it's supposed to create this one-time code for just that transaction and then it can't be reused over and over again like a, a number on a magstripe. I don't like where this is going, J.D. Yeah, well, well, a lot of the – I think a lot of it because Americans have been so slow to move over to true EMV chips. Anyway, if you look at your smart chart, it's still got the magstrip on the back and they encode a certain amount of information on there. The way that these cards work, though, is if you use the smart chip and a, a chip reader, it's supposed to do an extra little bit of information. But, you know, a lot of, of uh, terminals still have the the swipe reader because sometimes a chip reader's down or whatever reason. And so if your chip doesn't work, then you can swipe. But if you swipe, it omits a piece of information that you get in a chip. And the way the security is supposed to work is a financial institution is supposed to look at all the data coming in, make sure that these things match up so that if you did use the chip, a, have that extra little piece of information, then okay, and it'll, it'll put the, the transaction through. But if you don't, if you swiped, then if anything looks suspicious, then it'll decline the transaction. So, and, and this is just a loose paraphrasing of, of how this works, but they're finding that because some financial institutions didn't really implement their chip card backend systems properly, it is possible that some hackers and skimmers are able to sort of intercept the information that the chip is doing and they can therefore recycle it before the institution knows. And so instead of having this one-time transaction, it's basically just like a really fancy Magstrip card. And I think Mm. Krebs had written about this a while ago and pointed out some financial institutions that had not set up their things properly who were prone for this sort of of hack. But it does a, you know, people will hack everything given the right amount of time. And and even though smart chip cards were going to be the wave of the future and stop all of this credit card theft. People are finding flaws in the situation, a lot of it from, you know, just humans not using them right. But it's sort of an interesting, depressing story. And I'm not doing all of the tech justice because Krebs really drills down. But if you want to read more about it, just to be on the lookout for another thing, you know, that could possibly, if you thought your smart chip card was the safest thing ever, is that, well, well, maybe not. But we will post a link to the Krebs uh, story on our show page. So uh, if you want to read in detail, uh, it's all there. Moving on. Now, while Twitter and Facebook have traditionally hogged all the bandwidth, as you know, your official sources of online information and what's going Mm. on and where this is happening, Instagram is slowly rising as a new go-to social network for groups that are doing advocacy and planning protests and all sorts of social justice movement events. Fascinating. Yeah, and this is Axios website looked at this, but uh, they're seeing that Instagram has seen a rise in text infographics and topical illustrations as the ongoing pandemic and current racial justice movements have been gaining steam. And this is giving its younger skewing demographic a new sense of focus and purpose because when they're planning 
of these things, they'll throw out a map or information on Instagram. And because they're using Instagram more than anything else, they're all kind of flocking to that to see where to go, where this is happening, what we can do here. And, and they're basically just ditching Twitter and Facebook. So Instagram, you know, what you thought was just pictures of your food and and nice, nice, you know, beautifully filtered photos. People are using this for activism now. That's amazing. I can see it, though, to be perfectly honest with you. It kind of makes sense. You can spread a lot more information visually. And you have a younger base there who's probably going to be more into going out and marching and, you know, protesting and doing all sorts of stuff. So it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, the picture is a thousand words. And then they also don't have to wade through the slog of Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, it's not a cesspool yet. And I emphasize yet. Yes, yeah, TikTok. <laughs> but but not that app, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. And finally, uh, we hear a pop tech jammer overjoyed that astronauts Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley safely splashed down in the Gulf of Mexico off Pensacola, Florida. For those of you who have forgotten because we're in kind of a time warp, the two crewmen left on May 30th on the first launch uh, from American soil in years, uh, this time in a slick SpaceX-built rocket. Uh, And then they spent about 63 days on the International Space Station doing stuff. So they were in this Dragon capsule, so they get back in the Dragon and they turn around and they come back here. Riding the Dragon. Yeah, riding the Dragon. uh, Came back uh, August the 2nd. I think it was the first water landing in 45 years, too, you know, with the little capsule and the parachutes and things that we're sort of used to uh, from early NASA movies. They were in this uh, slick SpaceX-built rocket, and uh, everyone was, because this was a a first-time thing, and it was a commercial crew, this was not NASA-built stuff, everyone was kind of, you know, worried about how it was going to go. But the the mission seems to be uh, quite successful, and SpaceX and NASA are already gearing up for another launch in uh, late September, I believe. This one's going to send a crew of four up to the space station for a six-month operational mission. But, but, you know, NASA TV showed showed the splashdown, and it brought back a lot of memories, and then they also had a lot of, like, for some reason— recreational boats all of a sudden started circling the the capsule, which was not cool because everyone's like, you know, this thing has just been in space and it probably has like a lot of toxic space fumes and you're out there in your party boat, you know, cruising this capsule. Didn't that ever happen? That must have happened before, no? Um, I don't know. I don't remember seeing it because this was like, you know, guys, you know, hanging off their yachts, you know, like waving, like shooting by the cameras. So With their beer cozies? Yeah, you know, and, you know, (laughs) uh, just having, you know, maybe doing some deep sea fishing or whatever. Nice. But, I don't because I think when NASA did it before too, everything was kind of you know a little bit more rigid, and they also didn't do as much publicity about you know where and when things were going to happen. And, uh, and because this was right off of Pensacola too, it's very naturally a water sports you know kind of fishing area, gotcha. big beach activities. So there are already a lot of people recreating. I think you get in their boats and you know let's go with this rocket that's spewing toxic fumes from space. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, maybe not do that next time. Uh, we have a, a water landing. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but in between. You got to love Florida, though. Come on. You know, you gotta Florida going to Florida, man. Florida going to Florida. Don't matter what. So now in between that May launch and August return of the Dragon crew, though, NASA was not idle. They had a little another Mars rover to shoot up. Mars. Yes, the, the uh, one that starts with P. <laughs> Perseverance? Yes, the Perseverance rover. I'm always screwing that word up. Mars needs rovers. Yes, Perseverance got on its rocket and it blasted off very nicely. Uh, No manned crew aboard, so there's probably fewer 
nerves there, you know, in, in regards to human life. So Rover gets up there. Rover's not going to be there until uh, the 18th of February, 2021, though. So it's got a seven-month ride. What's he What's he waiting for? You know, it's well, it's a bit of a schlep. And they can only do, I think, these Mars launches every 26 months because the planets have to be in alignment. You know, you got all your fuel concerns, and so you got to get the straight shot here. So you're getting all astrological on me now, JD. The planets are going to be in the. You know, am I going to be in retrograde? Is something going to be in retrograde? Yeah, and then you're going to have a conjunction, and Ugh. yeah, no, th- th- Ugh, this is just, this is happens. just straight up. They they need the the short route uh, to to get the rover to Mars and to get it to land also on the right spot in Mars of of where it's going to be uh, doing its uh, explorations. So. Now, is this a SpaceX branded launch? No, this one I believe this... is is straight up uh, NASA. Uh, uh, straight as a Amazing. part of the Mars mission. SpaceX is uh, one of two companies, I believe, that are taking over the uh, what the shuttles used to do, taking people back and forth to the uh, International Space Station. They also have the Artemis missions coming up, which I believe are lunar in nature. So uh, a lot of our space stuff, you know, is starting to percolate again after the, the shuttle missions wound down. I'm all down for it. And, uh, I'm all for it. All for it. But, but the important question is, is that Tesla still circling the Earth? I think that Tesla is still out there. Uh, in nice. fact, it, it turns up if you get any of the uh, sky watching apps and I things to some, look yeah. at in the... Yeah. Uh, it's come up on my uh, ISS watch thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, Elon Musk, Tesla is still, uh, still out there riding the uh, deep space. I don't know if we'll be around, but at some point, there's going to be a news story about that thing hurtling to Earth. <laughs> It's coming back. Oh, it's going to be something sweet. Yeah. I remember yeah. like in the 70s and they didn't know where Skylab was going to come down and there yeah, was all yeah. concern about it was going to land on people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was legit, legit concern. What goes up? Um, Must come down, spinning wheel. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're having all kinds of retro flashbacks. Ride the painted pony. Let the, I'm sorry. No, no. I think we should have a little Kaiser number. Yes. I'm getting my 70s groove on See, today. it's all this, you know, sort of pandemic nostalgia but anyway that is it goes up (laughs) i think do you need an album here you know pedro's pandemic pop tunes (laughs) i love it i love it yeah but anyway i was just gonna say that was it for the news so Uh, all of the links will be on a certain little show page at poptechjam.com what goes up (laughs) keep going let's come down (laughs) You gotta keep going with that, man. Okay, up next, uh, uh, we're, we're gonna talk about some things to do if you can't really travel this summer uh, and you're stuck local. Uh, maybe some things to think about. Ah, uh, Pedro, what's it been? Five months now. We've been pandemicing. I've lost. I've lost track. I don't even know anymore. Ten months. Yeah. Two years. So the, the blur goes by. Well, I've noticed though, uh, and depending on where you live, because cities are going in and out of lockdown, depending on the, how the COVID is uh, coming back there. But <laughs> but here in New York, in cities where you've sort of got it's kind of open, it's like maybe seventy five percent open. You can't do gyms or indoor dining, but. Mass transit is open. You don't have to stay in your house all day. You know, they're taking that. Uh, if, if you're finding that you're kind of in this this phase of opening where you can do stuff to some degree and you want to get out and you've been bored because you've been indoors for three or four months and you're tired right, of looking right. at, at flat screens and you want to go out and get some 3D stim, <laughs> I, I'm 
been finding that a living in New York is really good here because even though New York has a lot of crazy and it was the epicenter of the <laughs> pandemic, if you are bored within doors and want to go out and look at stuff, New York is great for for looking at stuff outdoors. Whether you're into right. architecture, parks, nature, just walking around, and and I think a lot of and cities. You know what? Let's be blunt. It's also the epicenter of crazy. Yeah, it's also the epicenter you of crazy. Know. So there's always a, a show, you know, on a street always corner a somewhere. Show. So, so I've been finding uh, New York, but also friends that I have who live in, in uh, you know, moderate, to, you know, moderately decently sized cities mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even small. If, if you live in a place and maybe you haven't really explored it because you always just got in a car and left or you always just got on the train and went to work, this is the time to kind of get out and find walking tours for where you're living. Wait, hold on find a second. Find some history. Hold on a second. Yes. Well, Are you're you a native here. Right, exactly. Are you suggesting that me as a native... I go out and actually do touristy stuff. I kind of like this though, because this might be the time where I actually go to the top of the Empire State. Yeah. Well, and you can do it sort of under the radar touristy stuff. Like even if you, you know, say, say you watched Hamilton and you got really into Revolutionary War history and you just want to go out and, and look at parts of the city where they fought the war. There are plenty oh, of walking yeah. tours online. You can go down and see Francis Tavern. You can see. I'll take my girl. Yeah. yeah my daughter. Yeah, and just see uh, these parts of the city that down in the South Street Seaport, there are some vintage uh, ships down there. It's the oldest, I think, uh, functioning part of the city, too. Yeah, so you can see sure uh, things from the uh, early 1800s. I think the oldest business in the city is down there. It's a print shop, uh, Boyne Printers, uh, which I think has been printing since maybe the late 18th century. And so, and all of this, you don't even have to go inside. So if you're worried about indoor aerosol spray or whatever, just sort of walking around in an older part of the city, you can see a lot of the history and the architecture. Tons of walking tours online. You can get apps for them too. So I've been trying to do some of that because A, it gets me off my tuchus, a little exercise, a little walking. A little exercise, And yeah, you get yeah. the intellectual stimulation of some local history and just nice. visually, I'm not looking at the TV all day. And, and if the weather's nice, it can be a beautiful thing. So oh, yeah. I've been doing more of that just to kind of break out. And, you know, people, you wear your mask, you go out, you you participate in the public health initiative. Uh, the thing with New York is a lot of people fled the city. And so yes. the city's a little bit emptier. It makes it easier to move around. This it will not be the case everywhere, obviously, depending on where you live, but there might not be as many people out doing things. If they are, I hope they're wearing masks. Um, <laughs> so so you've got uh, just that sort of, of ambling thing. And, and walking is a little bit of an exercise too. You think, oh, walking. But if you look at the, the calorie programs and things, you, you can burn probably 100 calories uh, every half hour with walking if you have a, hey, a firm stride. I, I went to Disney once with the kids. Walked 12 miles in one day. Mm-hmm. I felt that. Uh-huh. I felt that. Yes. It's it's it's, it's good exercise and, and it keeps you- 12 miles in August. Oof. You, you, yeah. you must have switched off what, 10 oh, pounds or so. At least. Yes. So, so yeah, walking is a good exercise. Just make sure you have proper shoes. Yes. And hydrate. Yes. And also uh, another thing you can do, depending on your city, if you have open air buses to take, a good way to see the town and you know sit on the level where either the windows are open or you're up top where you can get air and you're not feeling like you're, you're breathing indoor germs. One thing that, that New York has that has really come up in popularity recently is its ferry system. Yeah. And uh, this is, uh, you kind of have to be in New York to use it. So sorry, uh, folks who don't live here, but you may have a ferry in, in your town. That's you know, right. look at your options. But the New York City Ferry, they've got probably five or six routes and they stop. And the ones that are, are um, most common are the East River ferries. 
which yes, the East River is not a river; it's an estuary. I know that, but um, you can you can pretty much go from Wall Street up to the Bronx just on one, and it's two seventy five. So it's the price of a subway thing, and a lot of them have about you know twenty eight thirty seats on the top deck, which is open air. You can stand too. And on a nice day, you're standing on the top of this boat. It's chugging up the river or down the river if you're coming back. And it's a beautiful way to see some of the sights along the east side of Manhattan. You see Roosevelt Island. If you look the other direction, you can see bits of Queens. You can see Rikers Island if you wanted <laughs> to see what it looked like in person because you go right by if, if you take the one up to Soundview. Yeah, yeah. And then some will also stop on Roosevelt Island, that, that strip of land between Manhattan and Queens. And you can get off and do stuff there. You can go to Brooklyn. But it also – it's a way to get between boroughs where you don't have to go underground on a train that, yeah, they're washing them and then they're cleaner than ever, but you're still in a closed environment and some people are concerned about that. But it's a way to move around the city where you don't have to take a train. So so that that's out there for the options if you live in a – you now, like Chicago's got some some great uh, boats. You know, you can can go up and down the river there. Even if you're just, you know, you don't want to be seen as a tourist, but the, the architecture tour of Chicago is great. I don't know if they're running given the state of tourism, but hopefully, you know, something's out there that you can. Yeah, downtown Chicago's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's a great town. So, so if you are are tired of being trapped at home. Look at your local tourism and see what's available. That normally it would be reeling in people from out of town, but you know, find the tours, find the transits, find the cute little things that you blew off because you're a native. You don't do that stuff, but uh, and also uh, another side uh, benefit of this is you could be helping your local economy too. So it's always a good point. Yeah, I mean, you know what? That's a good point. I may do that. I definitely may do that. I've got my my little Omni New York app. So I don't have to touch Metro cards. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's another thing too. The technology has come a long way. Uh, the ferry system, you can download an app and buy your tickets and scan them. Don't have to touch a filthy kiosk touch point at any point. Don't even have to touch mm. people. You can just show your, you know, scan your thing. The Omni New York, which you referenced, is uh, New York City's new contactless payment system, right. where you can just NFC your your fare. Uh, to a terminal on the kiosk. Um, and we were talking before the show. I mean, pretty much every place takes Apple Pay now or at least some sort of uh, like, you know, Samsung Pay or yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a Google Pay. Yeah, and yeah. Mobile stuff, Pay so. is becoming pretty standard, at least in the city. And even the little tiny mom and pop shops are putting in the terminals. And I like those because you don't have to touch money. You don't have to fumble mm-hmm. around in your wallet. You don't have to wait for somebody to give you back change. And you also, you know, the transaction record is nice. But you also don't have to fumble to get a credit card out. It's just on your phone, right. which you're probably going to have in your hand anyway. Um, so I, I see the mobile pay is actually kind of hygienic in a way. And then you yeah, just bring I agree. And then when you come home, you just put your phone, you know, in the UV scanner or you, you know, wipe it cleanly according to your manufacturer's recommendations. But do you have a UV scanner? I got, yeah, I got one of those phone soap things, which um, it scares me because like keep the lid shut or, you know, like, you don't want the UVC light to get out. But I have just the phone soap basic and. I will put my phone in there once a day and just have it. You know, and this is the UVC light is a technology that they're using in, in airports and hotels and subways because it has been shown to kill germs. Um, you don't want to look at it directly, uh, but uh, if you put it in a, in a closed box and it, it zaps both sides of your phone, it's supposed to get like the usual 99.9% of, of uh, germs and bacteria. So dunking it in hot water is probably not a good idea. Well, you mean my You know, your ports might have something to say about that. You know, just the, the whole functionality of the phone there. Well, good thing I don't have a headphone jack anymore. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, oh. you know, if you get that Google Pixel 4a, you could. Uh, yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. 
That's good stuff, JD. Good stuff. Yeah, so, you know, if you're bored, you've been in your house for months, you know, go tour local. I like that. Find tour something local. to do. So um, And wear a damn mask. Yes, and wear a mask while you're doing, you know, wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yes. I guess we should probably go now, huh? I think we should. I think we should thank the bros, though. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. If you think it, they will build it. BuiltByBros.com. And thank you, listeners. We hope everyone is uh, safe and sane uh, in whatever order you prefer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it has been a, a crazy year this 2020, um, but we, we made it through the halfway mark, so who knows what's yes. going to happen in the back half. Oh, boy. But uh, until next time when we are back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. <laughs>